Hope well finds message. You finds message. This message. I well you finds you. I hope well hope message. This I you this this well finds you finds you hope you this I Hi, welcome to I Hope This Message Finds You Well. I am Eloise Sweetman, and with me is my colleague and friend, Chris Ditto. Recorded in July 2020, today's episode is an excerpt from our conversation where we discuss why we became curators and freelancers in particular. We talk about what curating means for us, our expectations we have towards ourselves, and our relations to artists, audiences, and institutions. We often talk about art, and we will in the future episodes. But this time, we decided to focus on how we became curators, on how leaving our home countries influenced our professional trajectories and our approach to curating. We also discover that we both try to make sense of the world through and with art and artists. Let's begin. I hope this message finds you well. I feel like the idea was always there for this podcast, except we didn't yeah, I don't think we ever talked about doing a podcast ever. But, I, like, the format in some ways was always there to do talk about curating, freelance curating, because of the invitation that you gave to a few people in Rotterdam to come and talk about problems or worries or just share ideas about curating, to pull resources. I don't know if that's what you imagined, Um, which was quite successful for a time, but then it stopped because, you know, everybody gets busy or whatever. But then I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about the importance of, like, sharing resources and and using the podcast format as a way to do that. And then, I don't know, it suddenly was like, it was like, oh, my God, this is such a good idea. Mm. Chris and I should do this <laughs> as an extension of or as a way of inviting other people to maybe join in the conversation about what is curating, but also because curating is can be anything. Yeah, def- definitely what you mentioned earlier, the, these curatorial meetings, which we then uh, called support group, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was definitely about sharing our doubts and worries but also resources and help each other out maybe with some of the, the questions we had within our own projects or in general mm-hmm. general doubts because we can use the podcast as like the white cube yeah. there is no time there is no set location yeah i think what is also um important to talk about is this question of vulnerability I mean, and I think it's a question of vulnerability in art generally, but there is like, and it's something that we talked about a lot. Uh, well, not so much we talked about vulnerability, but talking about doubt and sharing that kind of worries and concerns in, of work in a place that, in an industry or a sector or whatever you want to call it, that requires or expects, you know, this professional, perfect veneer yeah um like it's okay if the artist perhaps this is also a question we can discuss later is that it's okay that the artist is 
you know, has this idea, like, you know, is eccentric or the stereotype or, you know, the, um, the artist that cannot meet a deadline, but the curator is supposed to be the one that meets the deadline and push yeah. things along, which is also, you know, bullshit. It's not true. Yeah. And be all extremely organized and oversee everything yeah, and the budgets and the production. What I thought is also in- interesting or important to talk about how curatorial work is so much individualized in yeah. a sense of quote-unquote excellence or yeah. uh, as a curatorial brand that as an, an individual brings to the table or a freelancer <laughs> to an institution. And I think it's also int- important to somehow unpack that and even question that idea because, first of all, we all always work collaboratively, even if mm-hmm. it's only you named as a curator. There are, of course, in the first place, the artists, people who work at the institution involved, and then others who you are constantly in conversation with. But then I think also there is maybe more and more curating are working collaboratively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like just now as we are sort of discussing what we are doing when we are so-called curating. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think also it's important to talk about this, what it means, this individuality, this Mm -hmm. kind of genius curating which of course also implies to artists and artistic labor but i i see it much more more and more as a as a collaborative process Mm -hmm. and i think we should also acknowledge that and then along along the way it's also important i think to talk about the hardship of profession Mm -hmm. in a sense it not in a not necessarily not i don't mean it as a whining yeah but i think curators especially even more so as artists who are stereotypically seen as uh you know the poor artist who doesn't have uh, the means Mm -hmm. and still has this inner motivation to Mm -hmm. to work which is of course we can't know is bullshit yeah and should be completely broken down this image but then i think for curators what implies is the opposite that you're always ready for a new job ready for a new challenge to work 24 7 around the clock and mm-hmm. um always and you're rolling yeah suitcase. and like with your rolling suitcase go to every biennial but then also write very elaborate press releases yeah. and give talks and tours and be there for the artist and blah, 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 all the time, all of that full on. Yeah. And what that means in terms of finances, Mm -hmm. what that means in terms of energy, in terms of mental health, in terms of collaborations, Mm -hmm. in terms of all these other support structures that are necessary to make it happen Mm -hmm. and that are also not available for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, I think it's also important to somehow talk about. Yeah, definitely. Because also we are based in the Netherlands. We are both not Dutch. And uh, it is an incredibly pri- incredible privilege, I think, to to work in this field as a freelancer and in some way still make a living, mm-hmm. even if modestly. But I know many of my colleagues elsewhere or not even elsewhere, but, you know, you have constantly have to support your income also from other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually was listening to, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, but an interview with two women arts workers who had, I think, recently been fired from a museum in America. And they were talking about how, like, their work in the museum uh, and how, like, as arts workers, there is this general idea, and I think we both can uh, relate to this as curators, that the hardship 
is we ask for the hardship. In their case, they're um, they're talking about many other aspects of uh, very specific to America also about unionizing and this sort of thing, but that we ask for the the kind of the bullshit that comes along with being in the art world because we have a certain sense of freedom. We can do, you know, quote, unquote, whatever we want, which actually is not true. Like if we could do whatever we want, I think perhaps we would be paid more and the artists that we work with would, you know, like also be paid. I mean, it's not even about money. It's like they're also like also being women and like, you know, if we could do whatever we want, then I wonder where we would be. So I think it's uh, important, like, to talk about the this sort of these sorts of questions. Yeah, I think also maybe this crisis when you mentioned right now with COVID and the crisis which is yet to come. I believe. Yeah. Maybe it's also like a good moment to rethink what we are doing mm-hmm. a little bit to unpack. Yeah. What not only as individuals but as a professional we are doing, and maybe what I think many of us curators or people working in the art field takes this time is also to rethink Mm -hmm. what we're doing and then how we would like to maybe continue yeah so maybe this podcast also can offer us some ways to to unpack that yeah i mean like i think to be honest if we continue as we were before i think that would be arrogant somehow Mm. but I also somehow don't know how I could even change it even though I know things need to change and I think that I think actually you know having these other people also come in is also going to be really interesting Mm. to thinking of about our both of our curatorial work or Mm -hmm. where it is how we became curators I think Mm -hmm. what connects us maybe is both of us have this focus on artists or Mm -hmm. we are somehow led into this Mm -hmm. through contact and discussion with artists Mm -hmm. and then suddenly realizing like oh or in your case even having an art education Mm -hmm. so being much more grounded in the field itself but um Uh, arts management was not um, grounded in art at all it was more management yeah, I think in my case, I did not even know about that the fact, like that the professions such as curating or as an independent curator, mm-hmm. and I put independent always in quote unquote because we are always dependent yeah. on something codependent. else or someone codependent, codependent <laughs> curator that it exists until like my late twenties. Mm-hmm. I was just hanging out with artists in their studios, or mm-hmm. it was not even always visual artists, but sometimes maybe more from yeah. people from theater, and being in the circle and then deciding to leave my job and sort of mm-hmm. education in economics and social sciences and actually study art theory and kind of take up something that until then I considered as not even as a hobby, it's just mm-hmm. much much more like that's life and yeah. then there's work. So then how to make this life also part of like the profession so to say but Mm -hmm. even then it took me really long time to find this position like oh i can be a curator and Mm -hmm. then you are like this middleman between an institution and the artist and maybe that's also interesting to think of talk about this like role of the middleman because uh 
uh, it feels more, mostly like, <laughs> you know, you're in a very thin space, kind of grinded yeah. by all kinds of requirements. Oh, anyway, going back to my initial point, I think both of us have this very much art and artist driven mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. Whereas I wonder if that is always the case, mm-hmm. because I know my education was really, and I still consider it my education was through my friends. Mm-hmm. And then uh, theory and art history kind of supplemented that, so to say. Yeah. But what would have happened if I have uh, the possibility to go and study art history from the beginning? Would have I ended up here and would have I still mm. have the same ways of working mm. as I do now? Mm. It just made me wonder. And I don't know. I yeah. don't have any ideas about it but I was just wondering if uh, that there might be some people who entered curating either freelance or institutional much more as a professional goal like yeah they wanted to be like a curator in a, mu- yeah, a museum in collection yeah. or being an institutional director rather than wanting to sort of be in this process with art and with artists and there it's not i don't mean it as a prejudice no i'm no, just no. wondering because i think we both share yeah um, so like yeah that they perhaps there are there curators that are more object uh orientated rather than <laughs> artist orientated or that it's or paper oriented or whatever like I mean I I would say that my main interest I was thinking about it before it came like what is my main interest because I know that you you are very clear that art you are artist orientated curator and like I think I'm really interested in exhibitions which only can come about because of artists and artworks but I think like if I really like zoom out in my work, mm. I am interested in what is the role that the exhibition can play in terms of thinking about what a community can be in. And also, like, and then zooming back in and then, like, how the, the artist kind of transfers some sort of idea or collections of meanings through, through material or whatever to an audience that then can go out into the world. And so, like, I'm actually really interested in also this kind of, like, the collection of material and material and relations and this sort of thing, but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily like super focused on the on the artist. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And like I wondered, oh, is that is that a kind of bad? Because I'm also really interested in also the artwork once it's been made and the artist is actually perhaps maybe not so interested in mm. any in anymore or they're interested in it but they're also re- interested in rethinking maybe its context through the exhibition and what it can mean to an audience and I know that you were are really interested in the, the art the process that the mm. artist is yeah. in in the making of the work yeah and I like I like that it's allowed in curating that we can have these different you know, that you you are tending to the artist in this actually very vulnerable moment that they are kind of like don't know, don't know how or maybe they really do know and it's very emotional, whereas, like, for me it's like almost, you know, the artist like, yeah, okay, mm. you deal with this and I'm going to go on and do another thing. But, and I actually was thinking about how, like, is it really like a self-indulgent of me to be super interested in having alone time with an artwork 
you know, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then later on talking to the ads, like this is what I, I like. Yeah. This is my relationship with your work, and but then at the same time, like I, most of the artists I work with, I, even though I invite them to uh, show existing work, and I really say like, please don't make anything new. <laughs> most often they will, yeah. but I mean, well, on the other yeah. hand, it's like first of all, can't afford it. Second of all, like uh, I feel like often artists are asked way too much to make new work mm-hmm. because there and I, I this would be something I would like to know what you think like oh there's a, like a, maybe an unspoken or maybe spoken pressure to produce new work all the time and like and also the process of doing that is very quick and uh, maybe they don't have time to really you know like yeah. you know funding only becomes available um like yeah. you know two months before the show but also like I don't know how to deal with an artist in their process of mm-hmm. you know it's a very you have to take a lot of responsibility yeah. to care for the artist and like I don't know if I'm ready yet there is certainly I think a lot of emotional labor involved in that process of, ne- of negotiation and so on and I remember we talked about this earlier how I really enjoy commissioning new work. Yeah. And yeah. whereas you prefer working with existing mm-hmm. uh, works. And I think for me, this process is also really, it's possibly also selfish. It's a way of like <laughs> learning and thinking together. And, yeah. But most of the learning, I feel like this process is pushing, mm-hmm. pushing me somewhere yeah. too. Yeah. And uh, of course, it also requires that there is a good click with the artist yeah. you work with. Yeah. And it's, of course, again, like, I guess. It needs different situations, require different approaches. Yeah. But I noticed I really enjoy also somehow naturally end up working towards a new piece yeah. or even an adaptation of an existing piece. Yeah. And I really enjoy that because, yeah. And on, on the other hand, what you also raise is there is this overproduction in art, mm-hmm. which is definitely a problem like mm. always coming up with new ideas one thing after the other never stop you know mm. be actual and fabulous and whatnot yeah and i yeah. think it applies just as much to curatorial work as to totally, artists yeah. what i really like is also being in an exhibition mm. with an audience and talking about the work and like learn the, it kind of also kind of suddenly maybe understanding the artwork better you know, because sometimes I feel like I'm so caught up with being right in front of the in front of the artist. Like I don't want to misunderstand their work, and I or I want to be uh, like I want to be what they want me to be, and as much as I want what I want them to be for me. And then, like I get, I, and particularly when the artist is a new collaborator or person to work with whereas like with the audience you can kind of be free to kind of like be amongst or Mm. with the work in a way and I also really like to spend a lot of time with an artwork in the exhibition because like I don't know you can like you kind of learn about yourself in a a different way it's like uh, you know I can put up with a lot of 
background noise from an audio work or, you know, like, oh, that, um, it's changed the way that I would write about something. Yeah. Or I can um, sit for a really long time on a very <laughs> uncomfortable bench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, like, yeah. you know, like, can endure. And yeah. but also, like, how I am really interested in how an artwork or an exhibition can change the way that I will look at the world, but also how my my work practices yeah. and 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 like to then talk about that with an artist about oh this is how I experienced your work in this way and or what you know I, I find those conversations really interesting, but I also think that perhaps as I progress in my career and I gain more experience, then um, maybe commissioning artists will be something that I do but I find it very I find it very scary it's risky I guess in a sense that you need to find a way how to you can how much you can be involved in a process and it's not always possible and then it can be very disappointing and it can be very it is selfish I know it is selfish (laughs) I don't know I mean but also there are artists that want that sort of Mm. engagement and there are artists that don't And it is interesting, like, what I really love about curating is discovering more and more about the profession or whatever you want to call it. I remember distinctly understanding that some artists need a curator, you know, and, like, and whether they see it or not, it's, like, actually, like, in terms of exhibition making, uh, some artists do really need that help and, like, or vision or whatever, Whereas other artists really are almost curators in their own way. Or dictators. Yeah, or dictators. (laughs) But I also think, like, I think a lot of the uh, freelance curators that I know, the best, the ones I really admire actually turn out to be artists as well. (laughs) Like, because they have a different relationship with material. And I really like that. Well, I came to realise very quick after... I entered this profession, you know, that a lot of my ideas about learning and thinking (laughs) and developing blah, 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 and, you know, like connecting with people, like how naive I could be and how, you know, there's, of course, something, the kind of over-professionalization, I think, both for curators and artists Mm. that then at one point it just becomes this thing. And maybe it has to do also with what, we mentioned before with the overproduction that you just mm-hmm. have to work like on an assembly line with yeah. these new catchy ideas yeah yeah uh, which are easy to digest not too much not too difficult yeah too, being too difficult is something yeah. i hear a lot in a sense of not too difficult as a person but too difficult in your writing oh you yeah. want too much and so there is a lot of this pushback that you, you have i mean i, I had to kind it was a reality check and yeah of course, it is an industry, mm-hmm. and that is something I, I constantly acknowledge. Mm-hmm. Before I come, I feel I catch myself become too idealistic. Mm-hmm. But then there is still some kind of drive that does not really allow me to think outside of it. Mm-hmm. Because I think even if I would exit curating and mm-hmm. profession, meaning I would stop exhibiting in institutions mm-hmm. and applying for grants and so on Mm -hmm. I just can't like I think it has such an impact in the way I am and on my Mm -hmm. social network Mm -hmm. and then on the people who are important in my life that Mm -hmm. in some way that will be always there yeah 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 yeah. but also 
we, I realize drives me a lot and maybe it relates to also this um, discussion around uh, the process of mm-hmm. curating oh, yeah. either commissioning or existing work or this or that, that uh, what really drives me oftentimes is narrative. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned that uh, a lot of curators you work with or you admire are artists mm-hmm. or have very close relationship to that, mm-hmm. to artisthood. Mm-hmm. For me, I realize what drives me a lot is narrative that I'm mm-hmm. always really interested in the contextualizing how a work emerged. Oh, yeah. Less maybe in the material and form, but rather like wanting to know where the person was. Yeah. Know, and yeah what yeah. happened around it and yeah. what they have to say. And I realize I'm very interested actually in the person behind. Mm-hmm. So I can't focus so much on the object itself. Yeah. And at the same time, I also will acknowledge how this kind of narrative, confessional, also how it emerged in literature mm-hmm. in the past, what, 20 years, maybe less, how it also becomes then a sort of asset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how that can be also then very easily and uh, used as this simple catchphrase. So where is this balance between like a personal background of someone, either an artist or a curator, and then it becoming some kind of point, selling point? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that I would, I mean, it depends on where we are in the exhibition, like in the relationship you're being built within the studio with the artist or within the actual exhibition Mm. itself. I would say that I am very interested in how to convey to the audience about like how an artwork came about and also the biography and this sort of thing. But also like what I really like and but I would say that it really has to be shows that I spend a lot of time within, like talking about how I see them in dialogue with each other and then like kind of talking about that with the with the artists or the or the the, the audience. But also you said something about being naive. And I would say that like my kind of maturity as a curator hasn't really, I mean, I could say that I developed as a curator, but I, I do constantly come back to this question of like community and what the power of an artwork and like I really see myself kind of part of like this, like adding my, my work to a history of curating or artists that curators and artists that also really are engaged with like, you know, world changing and this sort of thing but I see it as being totally naive at the same time mm-hmm. but I like being that idealistic like I I feel like when I see an artwork like Charlotte Posenenska and like she gave up her practice because she felt like her work could not change society and yet like the when I first saw her work it completely spoke to me in a way that I actually my whole trajectory changed and like isn't that also enough to talk about Mm. changing like perhaps it's not the world as in like you know we as a global people but it's also like a a person's kind of perspective or like their world in the in in their individual senses changing and I'm really interested in like this transferal or this exchange uh, of like how one projects onto an artwork whatever it is that they see and vice versa and I like I don't know that is kind of my overall overarching kind of interest as a freelance curator so like 
I know somebody said to me once, oh, I'm not interested in community, like, you know, community art, blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, I think community art is actually very important, but that, when I talk about community, I don't, I'm not talking about that kind of community. I'm talking about, like, a community of objects or mm. the the community of an audience that comes together with an artist in an artist talk. Like, this, yeah. like, Hannah Arendt kind of, like, space of appearance there is always this net net of relations, no? That, yeah. That then are being created around an artwork yeah. in that sense, and that in, that can in, involve like very direct relations that the makers, the curators, the art audiences. But then there are also these kind of mm-hmm. incidental, accidental encounters, mm-hmm. and yeah, it does make an impact. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking um, also just before we met today like I was thinking about exhibitions that were important to me and I uh, like but I don't know if I necessarily remember them uh one of which was end of money at a bit of a bit it was one of the first exhibitions I saw in Europe and I couldn't believe how quick it was in 2009 I was like wow like the financial crisis has just happened you know months beforehand and they and yet they already came up with a show so quickly to (laughs) respond to I assumed a global financial crisis and I was actually so impressed. I think it was a pretty good show, but I actually really can't remember the show itself. (laughs) But I was thinking like also like a lot of like your work has been on value and on the voice and these. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean like my thing. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean like but but you have you know, it's like you have also you know, you're also looking at like kind of somehow engaging with something that cannot be grasped mm. you know value cannot be touched the voice yeah. cannot be touched and yet it's it moves <laughs> maybe you want to say like what like uh, why you were how like because I, I assume that your this comes from your your the studies in economy to be an economist but is it like yes and no it's very easy to attach then, oh, yeah, I have this, like, title yeah. <laughs> as an economist, but then it's almost like an excuse because even the fact that I did study economics and social sciences was this, like, drive to, like, very naively, as you do when you're, like, 17, 18 years old, like, you want to understand the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it comes from that, like, to grasp these abstract co- concepts and have some idea mm. about all this flux around us. And so that sounded like an interesting thing to do. Mm. But then, in a way, like, that's still happening, the way I think about curating or the topics I approach, mm. that it's indeed always very, like... Um, um, hard to grasp or very slippery concepts or even contested concepts like with the value and the voice most recently which I always thought that it's very like you know they're like these two tracks but in fact like I think it's a very good observation that it comes from this like mm-hmm. ungraspability mm-hmm. of these of these concepts and even though they are both very abstract mm-hmm. concepts they are also very material yeah and very um yeah very bodily physical yeah. concepts that then have definitely an impact in the world yeah yeah so like in some way like so these curatorial interests they very much come from a, a personal 
quest for something. And I don't think my aim is to arrive then to an answer because yeah. I'm always very hesitant to give a thesis or a manifesto yeah. or some sort of conclusion mm -hmm. uh, of any sorts in an exhibition or in a book. But I'm much more interested in like com making it more complex or mm -hmm. r raising different layers and different questions mm -hmm. of, of these things. So... Yeah, I know it's always a little bit vague, but... <laughs> I mean, how can you um, resolve value yeah. in the voice? Like, they cannot, they cannot yeah. be. I mean, like, but I know what you mean. Like, outside of the shows that I do with Shimmer, which are generally undefined in terms of the thematic, like, I most of my shows, my, my other shows are, you know, to do with hope or not knowing or intimacy and, like, but they also aren't those things. Mm. And, like, I don't know how actually how to articulate the shows that I just know in some way that these works have to be together. And it is also interesting to also hear from the artist what they think about the other artists in the show. And, and it's very validating somehow that they also see themselves with these these artists. But, like, like I try not to define too much what I mean by intimacy or or not knowing or hope. I mean, hope is really a new thing and I'm not too sure if that is something that I really, because it's also kind of a bit cheesy. Mm. But I also think like on, on the other hand, like I, I, I don't know, like I don't think I really have yet to understand what I mean by any of these things. I mean, but I know what I mean when I see the exhibition. Do you know what I mean? It's the, like, I feel like yeah. in some ways I, I really understand an artist when they say they do not know, they don't know how to explain how something has came and one of their works have come about and it's you have somehow need to, time to understand what it is when it has come into existence. I feel like that's the same with my shows and so, like, I can't see myself as an institutional curator because I would have to quickly define the things yeah. that I am doing. That's an interesting point you raise because I feel like on curators there is oftentimes this responsibility to interpret. Yeah. What is it? Yeah. What's the <laughs> answer? What what does the artist mean? Like yeah. or even not as simply, but like to give a, some sort of framing to the works. And I find that kind of thing a burden yeah which i feel like who am i i don't want to be an authority figure yeah. who then places and oftentimes even artists artists expect you to say something really smart yeah. about what they've been making even though the thing can exist on its own yeah. without me so then again it becomes the question of okay so what is my role then i don't want to also pretend that i'm smarter than i am or that i have some answers you know, yeah. do things, whereas I have more questions, yeah. perhaps. And then I think it also becomes about positioning to, because I, I believe some of our colleagues, they do define, mm -hmm. they do uh, this very, like, um, how to say, uh, very formed and very clear, give you certain answers. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know, even with this podcast, right, we are almost like crazy questions. <laughs> I feel like we are being 
too elusive at times. But then I also understand that we can't just be completely elusive because mm-hmm. then we also have to, if we have doubts or if it's doubts rather than answers that we have, like we maybe we have to be brave enough to say that, yeah. you know, like what you mentioned that making projects about not knowing, yeah. I think is quite a courageous thing, <laughs> whereas you are expected to know yeah. and to interpret all yeah. the time. So I mean, it is uh, like it is also funny, like how much, like I, I actually feel like I have to define. I, I'm forced to define what not knowing is because people assume that I'm talking about being ignorant and how I think ignorance is really important and <laughs> it's like completely not what I mean. And it's like, like knowing is not about, I guess, not taking a stance or you know. Not, but it's rather about allowing different possibilities yeah. to enter or kind of getting a bit of the arrogance yeah. of definitely saying I know because I, yeah. as a person, it's like, like let me step in and give you the answer right now. Yeah. Like, it's also that's how I also like to think about the exhibition as well. Like, and um, the exhibition is this place that can become anything. But it also requires space and time and, like, it's also not forever going to be something. It it disappears and changes and it's form and moves in space and time and, like, but people don't necessarily like that because it's like, well, there's so many uncertainties in the world. Can't you just take a position <laughs> I think it's important as a curator to take a position and to, to like kind of put something out into the world and, you know, like, you know, if I'm asking an artist to talk about, you know, show their vulnerability or talk about intimacy or whatever, I feel like uh, as a curator I need to re- reciprocate in kind. But that's the question of ethics, right, rather than... It's also style, stuff. I think. Yeah. Like I think it's also brand. <laughs> to be honest, like yeah. I, I was, I, 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 it's not so much I talk about branding, but I talk about like I make a joke. I made a joke with somebody the other day that I'd, maybe it was you with you or I don't know. But I was making a joke about how like I'd really like to share like really like negative, uh, fucked up memes, mm-hmm. but yet like if I do, it's really off brand. <laughs> for like uh you know like everything's shit and like I don't give yeah. it you know like you're all whatever and I'm like oh yeah you know but I can't because it's off brand because like how can I talk about like that everything is shit if my I have shows about hope <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah there is a thin line I guess just like with everything between like pointing out things that are unjust or that yeah. are not working yeah. or that are just clearly fucked. Yeah. Um, you can beep this out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or keep and it. Then, <laughs> or keep it in. Or, and then at the same time finding some drive to go on. Yeah. And I think it applies to everything, but all, like also our, our profession, which, yes, we are part of this industry, which is, of course, can be very discriminatory it can you know be based on privileges it can be very unjust yeah but at the same time you know there is still something in it that we can do that perhaps elsewhere we couldn't Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and then a lot of institutional troubles as either employed or freelancers that we find i think we would also find in other 
fields mm -hmm. like in academia mm -hmm. or if we would go to more commercial fields mm -hmm. and so on. Mm -hmm. So in a way, like how to acknowledge them, how to deal with them and then how still have some I, I would say that like, I mean, uh, in terms of saying when I think something shit, like I actually think if I really think, if it's not of like a kind of a dark joke, a joke in bad taste or whatever, like I actually think like if I'm going to do shows about intimacy and not knowing and giving space to other voices and other bodies and other beings and all of this sort of stuff, like I have to take a position and say like I don't think that, you know, institutions should act this way like uh, or treat people unjustly uh, like that is part of hope so that would fit with a brand but I mean but at the same time like I I really believe these things I, re I believe that art as I've said now probably this will be the third time I really believe that art can do 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 change the world in some way like it uh, like uh, so many other disciplines rely on art to convey what they cannot convey themselves in like in Buddhism, in uh, science, in all, you know, politics. Yeah. You know, there's a, actually a heavy reliance on art, art to be able to like be the intermediary between yeah. like the masses and uh, something obscure. I, so then I believe that a, a, as a curator you have to, like, if you if you want, like, if you want to take that position in your work, it can't be thematic. It has to actually be how, how I want to live my life, which is difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to know when sometimes uh, you're, well, sometimes I find it difficult to know if somebody is really, like, treating me badly. I can see if the institution or whatever is treating the artist badly, but I often find it hard to tell if I'm being treated badly. Like, it's only, in, like, years later. Yeah, and, I and like, I also I think that as I grow older as a curator, like, if I really believe that the world needs to be a certain kind of way, which I think can change. I think, uh, like, in terms of taking a position, a position should be able to change and develop yeah. as you grow. Like, why would I want to give my work to an institution that mm. does not meet Comment, my... Yeah, yeah, like, meet my ethics or... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they rely on artists and not curators. Yeah. And it's like, or even if they rely on freelancers, it's oftentimes a one-off invitation. So, you know, yeah. just to come up with a different voice. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. In their programming, but then immediately also, like, go back to the usual ways yeah. of working. Yeah. I hope this message finds you well. In the next episode, we interview curator and cultural worker Lara Caldi, and besides other topics, we talk about collective ways of working, care work, and relationships of power. He gave us a possible approach to creating a network of support, also building from Lara's point about finding ways to support carers and families in the arts. If you have feedback, we would love to receive your email at ihopethismessagefindsyouwell at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at I Hope This Message and find us on SoundCloud under the same handle. Our jingle was made by the band Difficult. 
and sound engineering was done by Nick Thomas. I hope this message finds you well. I hope this message finds you well. This is a podcast. I hope this message finds you well. It's made for you. I hope this message finds you well. I hope this message finds you well.